Welcome to Slay Church. We are so glad that you're tuning in today and pray that wherever you are, this message will bless you. If this impacts you in any way, we would love to hear about it. Send an email to mystory@slatechurch.com. Awesome. Well, listen, why don't you stay standing for one second? I just wanted to, Matt, I know that you are, you're getting your guitar all sorted so you can go off stage. Listen, I remember when you first came on this stage and first started playing. And I just wanted to say, honestly, seeing your, uh, your guitar playing ability, your music, I mean, you have grown in that so much and that's fantastic. But honestly, the way that you lead people into worship, it is an obvious gift on your life. You are obviously a leader. Keep leaning into that. Keep growing in that, developing it. God has big things on your life, and it is so obvious to me. So keep moving forward in that. Yes, absolutely. Can we give it up for the whole band this morning? Worship was fantastic. Listen, why don't you grab a seat? Get yourself comfortable this morning. Awesome. Well, welcome to Slate Church. I hope that you are doing well. As Beth said, my name is Emma Richardson. I'm one of the lead pastors here. And honestly, for some of you, you might be like, I don't know if I've ever seen this person before that's now up on the stage. It has been a little while since I have preached here in Waterloo. Um, I had a baby about three months ago, just shy of three months ago, and she's now in a place where she's a little bit, a little bit more independent, meaning she doesn't need me 24 hours of the day, seven days a week, quite in the same way. Um, but it's good to be back. I, I mean, I've preached in Elmira since then, but I haven't been here, and it's good to be here this morning. And I, I just really feel like God has kind of dropped a word on my heart for this morning. Um, but it's, it's pretty simple, okay? It's a pretty basic message that's coming at you. But I really believe that if we can actually grab a hold of this and start to apply it in our lives, that we're going to see massive change and massive transformation. How many of us know that oftentimes it's those little things that if they really can get into our heart and we can start to apply it, that start to have big ripple effects in our lives. So I'm excited to be speaking here this morning. And listen, if you have your Bible, why don't you open it up to Exodus chapter 4. You know, church is a good spot to bring your Bible. I'd encourage you bring your Bible to church. Uh, it's good to read your Bible, even if you don't feel like you always understand your Bible. Make sure you're reading it, developing, learning, maturing in this. Exodus is the second book of the Bible, so it's pretty easy to find. It's right near the beginning. We're also going to have it on the screen behind me. We're starting in verse 1. It says this, Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? What is going on here? Moses is obviously talking to God, but Moses is out in the desert and he sees this burning bush and he goes up to it and God starts speaking to him through it. We see that happening in Exodus chapter 3 and we're kind of dropping in on the middle of the conversation here. You see Moses grew up in Egypt. He actually grew up fairly wealthy in Egypt in Pharaoh's home. But he fled Egypt and the Israelites, his people, were in slavery in Egypt at this time. And, and Moses was now outside of Egypt and God is basically saying I want you to go back in. 
mobilize the Israelite people and bring them out of Egypt, bring them out of oppression. So that's the conversation that's taking place when Moses says, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? He's talking about the Israelites. Then the Lord said to him, what is in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. So would I. Definitely Pastor Victoria would run from it. She does not like snakes. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand in his cloak, and when he took it out, the skin was leprous. It had become as white as snow. Now put it back in your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first, two sign, or the first sign, they may believe the second. I mean, at this point, I would be believing the signs. I think the snake would have convinced me. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. He's like, honestly, I just don't want to do it. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses and he said, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so you can perform the signs with it. Let's pray. God, I thank you that we can gather here together in your house in church this morning. And I just pray that you would speak through me. In this message, God, that it would be so clear and so from you. And, and, and Lord, I also pray that Claire would sleep the entire time. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, amen. Amen. Listen, if you were here last week and you heard Brandon's message, he, he spoke this message on the daily. What a fantastic message that was. And I kind of feel like this is on the daily part two, okay? On the daily part two. But if you're taking notes, you can entitle this one right here, right now. Right here, right now. You know, as people have been kind of up on the stage and I've been saying hello to people this morning, I'm noticing some serious tans coming out in this place. Summer has arrived. The tans are out. And I feel like I have been trying to cram in as much summer as I can in the past couple of It's like I'm afraid it's going to go away. The winter was so harsh, I'm still worried that summer is just magically going to go away. Tomorrow there will be snow in the forecast. So, like, we have been doing it all. Like, we, we do, like, strawberry picking and splash pads in the same day. We're like, what all can we do? We've been at the beach. We've been doing everything we can do. And a couple weeks ago, we were with Brandon's parents in Coburg, Ontario, where they live. 
and they're out in the country a little bit. We were just relaxing, enjoying the nice weather, being with family. It's so great. It's fantastic when grandparents are involved in the relaxation because it's actually true relaxation when you have small kids because you can actually step away for a minute. And, and the fun part about their house is they have four-wheelers. And, and four-wheelers are great to go out on. They, they have trails all around their house, and, and we can go out. So Brandon and I went out, and his dad was on the other one. I like to be a passenger on a four-wheeler. I don't need to be driving. I don't need to be in control. I can just look at the trees and daydream and think about nothing. Specifically, I like to be a passenger on Brandon's four-wheeler uh, because I trust him, okay? Four-wheelers are not... Uh, not always safe. I, I was in a four-wheeling accident as a teenager where I was put into an electric fence. They are not always safe. They are not a toy. But I trust Brandon, okay? It's all good. I trust Brandon. It's a lot of fun. Well, we were going along, and we found this new trail, and we were headed down it. And we came across, I kid you not, the biggest mud puddle if you can call it that, I have ever seen in my life. It was enormous. And Brandon's dad goes, and he goes through it. Mud is splashing everywhere. And I swear the mud is up to my waist. I'm not even exaggerating. It was insane, the amount of mud in this mud puddle. And, and his dad goes through it. And Brandon and I are approaching it, and I start to hit his shoulder. And for me, hitting the shoulder means stop. Don't go, no, no, no. I, I also see the mud pedal, no. To Brandon, hitting his shoulder means go faster. This is exciting. Let's keep moving. Let's go through this mud puddle. So we went through the mud puddle, mud splashing everywhere. I had my feet up and, and it was crazy and it was fun. I was like, good. We made it to the other side. We made it through the mud. We're done with that. Let's continue on. But as most, really, most men do, I'm not trying to stereotype here, but, but often this is the case. We got about 100 meters down the trail when they stopped and pulled up alongside each other and said, hey, do you want to go back and go through it again? Let's just, let's go through the mud again. And I'm like, okay, I'm a passenger here. I don't have much control over this. Let's turn around and go back. So that's what we did. We turned around, and we got close to it, and Brandon's dad said, I think I'm going to try the right side. You see, I, I said it was a puddle. It was more of a lake, okay? It was massive. There were sides to it. And he's like, I think I'm going to try over on this right side. So Brandon and I are sitting there watching him go through, and he starts going into it, and he's got his speed up, and, and all of a sudden, he's about halfway through it when the four-wheeler begins to, begins to tip, and he begins to tip, and the mud is even deeper on this side. The water, the the disgusting mud is deeper on this side and he's starting to tip into it and lean into it and you can see him just kind of reefing on this four-wheeler trying to get it back up and I'm yelling to Brandon over the sound of our machine going he's stuck he is stuck he is stuck he is stuck he can't get out of this situation what are we going to do he's going to tip I am not going in there and pushing him there is not a chance in the world that I am walking into that mud ocean that is in front of us and and Brandon's like he's not stuck I just couldn't believe him he was obviously stuck he couldn't get it out he couldn't move it forward and Brandon goes he's going to pop it into reverse and turn the turn the handle and he is going to get out of it and we watched for the next couple of minutes as his dad continually popped it into reverse and turned the other way and gave it more gas and popped it into reverse and he actually made it out of the mud puddle. This was, this was just crazy to me that he actually made it out by popping into reverse and going forward. So he gets to the other side and Brandon turns to me and goes, okay, are you ready? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? He obviously almost got stuck. 
I gave a very strong point to the left side of the ocean, and so we need to go that way. And he obeyed. He listened. He gave in. He said, okay, we'll go that way so that we don't tip. We made it through. It was fine. We were a little muddy. Uh, it was a little crazy. But listen, do you ever feel maybe that you, you're getting a little bit stuck in life? And, and maybe the people around you are looking at you and going, hey, you're a little bit stuck in life. You look like you're stuck. You look like you are actually stuck in the mud. I wonder if you actually maybe feel a little bit unable to move forward in what God has for you because of your present circumstances and the things that are in your hand. But I believe that today God is actually asking us to to change our perspective a little bit, to look at things a little bit differently and start to see the resources that he has put in our hands today and that we actually have all we need to do what he has called us to do. We actually have enough today, not 10 years from now, not when our circumstances change, but right here, right now. I believe some of us just need to recognize that we have a reverse button on the machine, that we have the ability to turn the handle and we can get out of the situation that we feel stuck in, that everyone is doubting us in. We can actually move forward in what God has for us. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, right here. Now turn to your second choice, say, right now. Right here, right now. You know, as I talk to people I'm aware of this kind of desire for God to move through us. Maybe you have this desire in your life that God would use you for something, that God would work through you, that God would be part of the situations that you find yourself in. Maybe you have big dreams for yourself, big callings on your lives. But some of us are living in the when this happens mentality, then I will lean into that. When I get X, Y, and Z figured out, then I'll be able to lean into what God has for me. But what this does is it breeds dissatisfaction with the now. And it creates an idealistic, perhaps unrealistic view of our future. You see, the greater dissatisfaction we have for the present, the less able we are to see what we do have right here, right now, in front of us. You see, this focus on what we can't do because of our circumstances actually kills what we can do. It it immobilizes us in the present, and it stifles our growth for the future. This is a problem. This is a problem when we fail to see what is in our hand now, when we fail to see what God has given us now, and we're constantly living with a mindset for the future. We need to begin to actually trust God with our present and allow him to shift our perspective of what is in our hand. We actually see this all throughout Scripture. In John 6, you probably have heard this story before where Jesus is preaching to a large crowd of 5,000 men, many more with women and children counted in that. And this little boy has, has some fish and has some bread and, and everyone is starving. And the disciples say, what are we going to do? This is all the food that we have. And Jesus blesses it and it feeds every single person there. They had leftovers. And how many know leftovers are actually the best part of the meal? Feeding 5,000 people with a few, that's what he had in his hand. In 1 Samuel 17, David, this little boy who isn't trained, who doesn't know how to combat and be in battle, takes down Goliath, this massive beast of a man, with just a few stones that he had. In Luke chapter 10, we see Mary and Martha, friends, followers of Jesus, they had a home. And they invited Jesus into it and actually spent time with him. Also in Luke chapter 10, 
Jesus tells the story of a good Samaritan who stops a man at the side of the road. He had a donkey. He had a little bit of money. He had a little bit of CPR training, first aid training. In Matthew 2, we see at Jesus' birth these wise men who come to see this incredible Messiah who has been born into that time and place. And they have frankincense, gold, and myrrh. In Luke 19, a little tax collector named Zacchaeus, he was quite small, couldn't see Jesus, and he had a tree. And he climbed up it, and Jesus noticed him there and said, calm down, let's eat together. In Luke 1, we read of Mary, the, the one who would give birth to Jesus. She had a womb. And in Exodus 4, Moses had a staff. He had his hand. He had water from the Nile. He had a voice. You see, God takes ordinary people and allows them to do extraordinary things when they begin to see what is right in front of them. All of these people could have waited. All of these people could have said, I can't. But they used what was right in front of them. Jesus met them in the here and now. But there are a lot of reasons why we might delay. You might be sitting here and going, that's great that that happened for all of those people in Scripture. That's fantastic. But there might be a reason why you're actually delaying and actually failing to see what you have, you specifically, not the person next to you, not the people around you, not all of these things, what you have specifically. We fail to put the four-wheeler in reverse and actually turn the other way. And I want to give you a few reasons why we do that this morning. And the first is this. It's comparison. Everyone else seems better equipped. And it's funny because all of us think this and then everyone else is thinking that about you and it becomes this weird thing. People are comparing with you while you compare with them. And, and it's really something that immobilizes us. We don't feel capable when we see the talents and the gifts and the abilities of other people. Well, that person just seems to have it all together. That person's in a different life stage. That person has more money than I do. That, that person just seems a little bit nicer than I am. Just as a per I'm just not a nice person, so I don't think that God could actually use me in my present circumstance. But it says this in 1 Corinthians 12. There is one body, but it has many parts. But all its many parts make up one body. It's the same with Christ. We are, we're all baptized by one Holy Spirit. And so we are formed into one body. It, don't, it didn't matter whether we were Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free people. We were all given the same spirit. So the body is not made of, of just one part. It has many parts. Suppose the foot says, I am not a hand, so I don't belong to the body. By saying this, it cannot stop being part of the body. And suppose the ear says, I am not an eye, so I don't belong to the body. But by saying this, it cannot stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, how could it hear? If the whole body were an ear, how could it smell? God has placed each part of the body just as he had wanted it to be. If all the parts were the same, how could there be a body? As it is, there are many parts, but only one body. Maybe you're in here and you're an ear and you've been saying, man, I wish I was a nose. I wish desperately I was a nose. Look at that nose. It's such a great nose. I love that nose. Why am I not a nose, God? Why didn't you give me that? And the thing is, is that Paul is writing here and he's saying, you're still part of the body. But listen, if you are so focused on the nose, then you are not in the position that God has for you. And you are actually hurting the entire body because of your comparison with the nose. We need to start seeing ourselves and stop comparing with other people and seeing what God has given us right here and right now. 
Another reason why we fail to see what is in our hands right here and right now is from insecurity. In Exodus 4, Moses says, basically, but Lord, I can't, I can't speak. I can't speak. Moses immediately confronts his greatest insecurity. He's just had this uh, life-changing conversation with God. God has met him in his present circumstance and called him to something great. He has called out the things that are in his hand, his staff, his hand, the, the water, these miraculous things, and says, I have given you everything you need. And Moses still turns and says, but Lord, I can't, I can't speak. I'm not eloquent enough. I can't actually do it. And for some of us, God has called us to great things. God has asked us to step into what we have here and now. But we are so insecure that we actually fail to see that God is greater, that God is fully capable, that God has fully equipped us with what we need. We are allowing our insecurity to keep us stuck in the mud. Many of us walk around insecure. You're not the only one. You're not the only one. Some of us hate the way we look or we can't stand the tone of our voice or our house isn't big enough. Our kids aren't well behaved enough. We don't have enough experience. We're too old. We're too young. Maybe you walk up to people and you immediately assume that they were just talking about you. They probably were not talking about you. you, you they probably were not thinking anything about you. And if they were and it was not nice, you're probably better off without them in your life. But so often we raise everyone else on a pedestal and we think everyone else is better than we are. And this is not a pride issue or humility issue, but just a perspective issue. We assume that everyone else has it all figured out and they probably don't like us. And we then stop ourselves from moving forward because we are paralyzed by insecurity. You see, undealt with insecurity can become our greatest excuse as to why God can't use us. And listen, God is sovereign. He will bring someone else. With Moses, he brought Aaron. He brought Aaron along immediately and said, okay, he will speak for you and he will. But it wasn't God's original intent. He wanted to use Moses because things got a little bit messy. We read in, in Exodus 32, this is after the Israelite people have left Egypt and Moses is up on a mountain speaking to God and the people are basically going, where the heck is Moses? And they're growing dissatisfied with their current situation and what it looks like. And they turn to Aaron as their leader. And, and Moses isn't there to speak into what Aaron is doing. And, and Aaron basically says, okay, like, let's, just, let's just go for it. Let's just see what happens. And they, they build this gold calf and start to worship it. And there's this idol that's erected. And things start to get off track. But Moses didn't trust that he could actually do it, that he could actually speak to the people. We need to grow in our security in ourselves so that we may be open into stepping into God's plan right here and right now. Don't grow immobilized by the assumptions that you have of everyone else when they may or may not be true. It doesn't really matter. And it can be easy to say, well, easier said than done. But God told Moses he would give them a, him a voice. Moses didn't have to do it in his own strength. God would take care of it, and he still let his insecurity rule. God will take care of what you are unsure about, what you are insecure about. Trust him with it. The third reason we find ourselves stuck in the mud, we, we are never uh, moving forward, is that we underestimate our current circumstance. We underestimate our current place in life, our, our present circumstance, and the potential that it holds. 
I wonder if you've ever looked back and in hindsight have gone, wow, I had so much opportunity in that season. For parents, maybe you look back and you go, man, when, when I didn't have kids, I had so much time. What did I do with all of my time? What, what in the world could I possibly have done for 24 hours a day when I didn't have children needing me all of the time? We can look back and go, oh, when that, in that season, when, when, I was more, uh, when I was more active, in that season when I had more money, in that season where I had better friends around me, in that season where we can look back and say, oh, that circumstance was so prime. But when we were in that season, we couldn't see it. You know, I, I as I said, have just had Claire, just had our little baby girl. She's three months old now. And, and I, I've basically been having babies for a long time now, it feels like, pretty consistently for a long time. I have either been pregnant or nursing a baby since July 2015. So four years ago, nonstop uh, has been the rhythm of life. So basically, I'd have a baby, and then we would have more babies and babies and babies and babies. And I just have diaper and puke on me all the time. And, and uh, kids coming up with, with chocolate on their fingers and hoping that it's chocolate on their fingers and that's kind of been it's kind of been the past four years of my life really and I'm now in a place where I'm going okay I'm going to start focusing on uh, getting healthy again no more like pints of Ben and Jerry's ice cream at 11 p.m. I just took full advantage of pregnancy I didn't need it but I had it because I was pregnant. But no one should be doing that, okay? You shouldn't be doing that. It's not good for you. But uh, I've been trying to get a little bit healthier, set some goals in place for long-term nutrition, physical. There it goes. I'm not, I can't. I couldn't pick it up fast enough. I just stared at it. It's okay. It's okay. It's all good. I now have a lake on my stage. It's good. I almost knock that over every time I preach, and I have had some pretty incredible saves, but not today. My physical act I've just started the physical activity, okay? I'm not quite physically inept enough for that at this point. But listen, just starting out some goals and, and getting healthy and all of these things, and I've heard this idea that you should take before photos when you start off on this journey of health, okay? Take before photos. It will motivate you. It will be a good thing. You can look back, see your progress, and all the rest of it. And so I did, and that was fine. That's great. Have these before photos. I'm not about to show it on the screen. It's not, it's not coming up for you today. Um, um, but I remember actually doing this one other time, doing these before photos, and I was about a year into marriage, and I had gained about five pounds, and I went from working out like five days a week to like three days a week, and I was feeling a little unsure, and I was going to get healthy and get on track, so I took these before photos, and I, I made the mistake this, uh, this past couple of weeks, I made the mistake, listen, if you have just had a baby or your wife has just had a baby, maybe don't encourage them to go look at before photos when they were 21 years old and didn't have children yet, okay? Just don't go that route, but it was fine, it was fine. So I looked at these photos and I was like, wow, I hope that that is what my after photos look like. Like I was looking fit, I was looking good. I was, I, this was great, this is now my goal here is to get back somewhere in that realm of existence. I hope that's what my after photos look like. But it, it's interesting because as I looked at those photos, I could actually remember taking them. I remember bringing Brandon into the room and say, okay, take a photo. I'm going to stand like this. I'm going to stand like this. I'm going to stand like this. And take all of these different angles. Take all these photos. And I remember afterwards pulling out my phone and looking through the photos and feeling so dissatisfied. 
so dissatisfied. I looked at the photos and I pulled apart every little piece of myself and I was so discouraged and oh, I looked so terrible and, and I was so frustrated with myself and how could I allow myself to get this way? And, and I, I was so upset with myself at that time and I was so dissatisfied. And you know, dissatisfaction can lead to change. It can be a motivator. But change is going to happen in your life. It's going to take place in your life regardless. And we can grow dissatisfied in a way that isn't helpful. You see, sometimes we are so dissatisfied that we begin to underestimate our present circumstances. Six years later, I'm now going, wow, I, I, I looked great then, but I couldn't see it then. And it affected me then. You see, if we cannot learn how to utilize the things right in front of us, then we will not be able to use the things that we longed for when they happen. We will never grow satisfied. We will always be dissatisfied. If we fail to see how God can use us in a season of singleness, we won't be open in a season of marriage. If we fail to see how God can use us in our present position, we won't be any different when the job changes. If we don't start shifting our perspective now, when your environment changes, the same you will be in it. The same you is going to be in it, and you won't be able to see it then. We don't want to live our lives in hindsight, only seeing the opportunity after it passed. We don't want to live our lives in foresight, only seeing the opportunity that's off in the distance. We need to start opening our eyes to our present circumstance, exactly where we're at, whatever age we're at, whatever stage we're at, whatever experience we have with church and Christianity. We need to start using our present experience now. So how do we do this? How do we actually do this? How do we overcome comparison, insecurity, being blind to our present circumstance? We must lean into the Holy Spirit. I told you it wasn't a complicated message. This is just the truth. We need to lean into the Holy Spirit. See, you can read a million self-help books. You can apply leadership principles to your life. You can listen to every podcast. You can do these things to make yourself better. And listen, we should. But until we begin to recognize that we cannot do anything to its full potential without the Holy Spirit, we will be limiting ourselves and God. John 16, 7 says, but very truly I tell you, it is good that I am going away. This is Jesus speaking. Unless I go away, the advocate, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. It's better that Jesus left. I know that seems crazy. Because he sent the Holy Spirit to us, the helper, the comforter, the teacher. And yet so many of us are trying to do this alone, trying to do this in our own power. We wake up in the morning, we get breakfast, we get out the door, we do what we need to do. We get to work, we get to wherever we're going that day, we come home, we have meetings, maybe we have connect group, maybe you're running your kid to sports, doing all of these different things, watching Netflix at the end of the night, then falling asleep and getting up and doing it again and again and again and again. And <laughs> we begin to get to the Sunday and we go, God. Like, why didn't I have any opportunity this week? Like, why didn't I actually apply anything that Brandon was talking about last Sunday? Why didn't I actually tell anyone about my faith this week? And why didn't I tell? I just forgot about it. It was just a nice day. And, and I, I just, why does my life look the same week after week after week after week? And, and nothing really changes. 
We need to actually create space in our lives for the Holy Spirit to shift our perspective. We need to start seeing our lives through the lens of the Holy Spirit and what he has for us. We do this first by praying, by actually allowing a conversation with God to take place throughout the day, by taking intentional time to do that. And it's easy to forget. So, so why not actually set a reminder in your phone? Like, you don't have to figure this all out by yourself. You don't have to have enough willpower and be strong enough and be sorted enough and all that. Like, use what's in your hand, your phone. <laughs> set the reminder. Have it come up every couple hours. It just says pray. Put it on your alarm in the morning. Pray. Remind yourself that this is something that you need to be doing in order to remain connected and have the Holy Spirit top of mind. We do this by reading God's word. In 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You know, we actually need to be reading God's word. We need to be asking questions about it. It is relevant to your life. God gave us his word to equip us to be able to do the things that he has called us to do. And it is a resource that is at hand right here, right now. We need to be reading it and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak through us. God's word is alive and active. It's not just some text that was written thousands of years ago that we can study and kind of think theologically about. It says God's word is alive and active. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. It is sharp. And when we allow the Holy Spirit, when we just come to God's word, whether it's the verse on, of the day that pops up on your phone or some dedicated time in scripture, if we just say, Holy Spirit, hey, would you just show me something in here today? He will not fail you with that. Read God's word. We do this by being present at church. Don't miss out. This is coming together as a community. This is building relationships. This is being equipped. This is being prayed over. Listen, we have four services here in Waterloo every single Sunday. And if, if you want to go to the beach, go to the beach. Come back for our 630 service. Listen, if you, if you want to take the day and, and set a tea time, come to the 9 a.m., do something a little bit later. If you want to just enjoy time on a patio on this beautiful Sunday, why don't you come to the 11 and grab some friends and go for lunch afterwards? There's opportunity, but we need to make this a priority. It's important that we are coming together. It's important that we aren't missing church. I hope you didn't miss team night. I hope insecurity and comparison didn't keep you from coming to team night. Because team night is an opportunity to be prayed over, to be poured into specifically. Why don't you come next month? It happens every single month, the first Tuesday of every single month. Why don't you come? And just accept. You don't have to be on a team. It's okay. I'm giving you permission right now. You don't have to be insecure about it anymore because I'm giving you permission right now to come and join us. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, Good to see you at church. Good to see you at church. You know, I believe that there are actually two great lies of our generation. The first one is this. Everything is okay. 
everything's okay, everyone is okay, everybody is fine, I don't want to bring up God to anyone, I don't want to bring up my faith, I don't want to bring up my church, I don't want to pry in any situation because everyone's okay. They've got their kids, they've got their baseball tournament, this person has a boat, they're obviously doing well, they have a boat. Um, you know, this person has a golf membership, everyone is fine, everyone's happy, everyone's okay, everybody faces troubles, of course, you know, those people going through that divorce, yes, that happens. That person who has a, has a child who has some, some challenges to the, yes, that happens. And, and this person lost their job. Okay, we'll just weather that storm. But everyone, when you get down to it, everyone, everything, it's all okay. It's one of the greatest lies, I believe, of our generation. The second one is this. There is too much wrong. There's too much wrong. I can't do anything. Too much is wrong in our society. Too much is going on in politics. Too much is happening outside these four walls. And anything I do isn't going to make a difference anyway. So why do I need to step up? Why do I need to make a difference? Why do I need to try? There is too much wrong. See, both of these things actually lead to inaction. And God needs his church mobilized. We need to be mobilized in order to love people, in order to see people far from God come into relationship with him, in order to be able to see this grace that God has given us, no matter what our past looks like, no matter what has happened in our lives, he still loves us. In order to see that realized in people's life, he needs us mobilized. He needs us moving with what is in our hands. So I wonder what is in front of you right here, right now. Not tomorrow, today. What is in your hand? Maybe you have small kids and sometimes you feel a little bit trapped in your home or a little bit trapped to a schedule or a little bit unsure. Why don't you take your kids to the park? Why don't you intentionally forget the wipes so that you actually have to start a conversation with someone else and and ask to borrow some and start seeing how they're doing? Not every mom is okay. Not every dad is okay. They don't have it all figured out. Why don't you just step forward in that? Why don't you just lean into that a little bit and take your kids to a park? Maybe you have a weekly meeting with your boss, just a quick touch base, a one-on-one. What would it look like before going into that meeting to actually stop and just pray inside yourself to the Holy Spirit and say, God, if there would be any opportunity here, may I just see it? May I see it through your eyes? May I just see? And you know what? The heavens might not part. There might not be a hallelujah chorus taking place in the, in the meeting room. There might not be anything like that going on. But maybe week after week of still praying this prayer and dedicating to that, maybe there's a little, a little door that opens. Maybe there's a little crack that you can walk through. Maybe there's a challenge that you can say, hey, I'm just going to pray for you for that. Is that okay if I would just do that? Are we even looking for that opportunity? Maybe you have some knowledge about finances and you can encourage others in getting financially healthy or just being generous. Maybe you have a kitchen and you could make someone a meal who just seems a little tired or worn out or went through a life change. Maybe you have a free night on your calendar this week and you could get together with someone for good conversation. Maybe you want to invite them over when you're at the patio party after church today. Maybe you have a Bluetooth system in your car and you could listen to a message or a podcast on, on the way to work. I've heard the, the forum, the forum is it? I've heard that one is pretty good. So you could try that one out. But listen, there's things that we could be doing right here, right now with intentionality that's going to grow us for what God has for us in the future, that's going to release us from things that we have dealt with in the past, but more than anything is actually going to allow us to get out of a place of being stuck right here, right now. 
What's going on in your life that you need to surrender to God in order to actually make an impact right here and right now? Not someday, somewhere. If we don't begin to do it now, then we won't do it then. Nothing's going to change. And we're going to live our lives in hindsight and foresight. We are the church. You are the church. You are the answer. God is using his church right now, today, in 2019. He is using his church. So we can't just sit back. We can't count ourselves out. We have to deal with some of the stuff that we need to deal with. We need to get it together. We need to ask for help. We need to come alongside one another, work it out, lean into the Holy Spirit because you are the answer. Jesus is using you and wanting to use you, and we can't just sit back and act like everyone else is going to figure it out. It's actually up to us. So I wonder today if you are going to pick that up, if you're going to use what's in your hand, if you're actually going to start mobilizing that and leaning into the Holy Spirit to see that today and to shift your perspective today. Why don't we stand in this place? Thank you for watching. Again, if you were impacted by this message in any way, send an email to mystory@slatechurch.com. You can also visit slatechurch.com and fill out one of our online connect cards. We would love to see you in person at one of our Sunday services. As well, you can stay connected with us by following us at Slate Church on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.